Let's open the Word of God this morning to 1 Chronicles chapter 22. 1 Chronicles chapter 22. You've heard these verses from me before. I want to put a little different emphasis on a sentence today that I hope will be helpful. Our flesh, as we get older, wants to relax. The world, as we get older, tells us we should relax. Retirement from the stresses of a professional calling is a scriptural thing. The priests and Levites were retired after a certain number of years in their professions. But as far as being Christians, we can't retire. We shouldn't retire. We should pick it up. And I, and I want to show you in both Testaments, the two greatest men in each Testament picked it up at the end of their lives, toward the end of their lives. First Chronicles chapter 22 is David having picked the spot by God's leading of where the new temple would be built and where the altar of sacrifice would be established based on chapter 21, which is the angel of the Lord that slew 70,000 Israelites where he was standing and where David made peace with them. I want to read the first five verses of chapter 22. Then David said, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of the burnt offering for Israel. And David commanded to gather together the strangers that were in the land of Israel. And he set masons to hew wrought stones to build the house of God. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails, for the doors of the gates, and for the joinings, and brass in abundance without weight, also cedar trees in abundance. For the Zidonians and they of Tyre brought much cedar wood to David. And David said, Solomon my son is young and tender, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparations for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Now I have a mixed congregation before me from little children to old men. And first of all, let me address the older men and women that here is David. You know, a king, when he has defeated all of his enemies and established forts and tribute money coming all the way from the Euphrates to the Nile should be able to sit back and golf every day. He should be able to relax in his palace, but that is not the heart of a man who loves God and loves his worship. And so David, up till the day of his death, was doing what this little sentence at the end of verse 5 tells us, so David prepared abundantly before his death. I wish I had my new pulpit with a, uh, a screen in it here that I could write on it and it would be on a big screen behind me and that you could all see things and I could put the scriptures there and highlight. It's coming. It hasn't been ordered yet. <laughs> I would like to show you the declining curve of a man's strength and of a man's zeal. I hate it. I think older men usually dislike it. But you've got a curve running downward and yet you've got these men in the Bible, you know, who are trying to press onward at the end of their lives. And so those two curves cross and they create a, a laziness gap. 
And we, and we don't want that. So I'm addressing the older ones. Let's use the last years and months and decades, if we have them, of burning ourselves out for the Lord's sake. Now you young people, the Bible says, Wherefore now remember the Lord in the days of thy youth. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, so the Lord knows you've got extra strength and those evil days aren't coming. Your curve isn't declining. Your curve is increasing. And you ought to use that distinct advantage that you have for the glory of God. Wherefore, you know, consider Him in the days of your youth. The Apostle Paul, as I sent you yesterday, in Philippians chapter 3, writing from a prison in Rome toward the end of his life, was forgetting everything he had ever accomplished for the Lord. It did not matter what he had done. He never thought about that junk. All he could think about is pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If God is truly God, and we are truly His creatures, if He is truly the potter and we're the clay, we should want to be giving Him everything we have. You've got jobs. You wives with children have lots of duties at home, but every one of them can be done as unto the Lord. And I just want to encourage all of us to be reaching for the higher ground that we never become complacent or lazy or settled or content about our spiritual accomplishments for Jesus Christ, but that we would yet press onward. This sentence, So David prepared abundantly before his death. Now we know from reading Scripture that David became so weak, he needed Abishag to keep him warm because his body could not maintain its own body heat. That's how weak he became. But you know, until he was on life support, and this could work, or he could write notes, or he could nod his head, he was ordering more preparations for the house of the Lord. And I want to encourage all. The Lord's convicted me, gripped me. I'm obsessed about it. Because my life has no value outside of things that He defines in the Bible and productivity for Him. My productivity is a little different than yours. But let's be excited about being alive and still having strength and being in His house today. And let's be thinking of things that we can do privately, things that we can do publicly, that He defines in the Scripture as the marks of great men. That is what is before us in both assemblies. It's exciting to see David. It's exciting to see Paul. Both of them did not retire from loving God and wanting to serve Him with all of their might, even though that might was declining. In both cases, they gave Him their all. A track coach does not wait until the bell lap or the gun lap and then tell his runner, hey, take it easy. You've really put out those first three laps. Why don't you just cruise on home? Don't worry, those guys in front of you are going to come back to you. That's what it's called. They come back to you, but they're not going to come back to you if you just put yourself on cruise. We, we want to employ ourselves as well as we can. And that may not necessarily mean less sleep. It just means rearranging priorities that steal time out of the 168-hour treasure He gives us every week. And the 1,440 treasure of minutes He gives us every day. Lord, help us to be faithful like David and Paul and show us what we can do better. Show us how we ought to do it. Convict each of us in our respective situations that we might love Thee and show that love like these two examples you gave us in Scripture.
Let us pray. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you would grant us the power of Pentecost to lift up our hearts and our minds and direct them toward things above. We are thankful to be in thy house. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. There is no God beside thee. Thou hast made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that in them is. Their gods are but their imaginations. They have eyes, they see not, ears, they hear not. And they that worship them are like unto them. We thank thee, Holy Father, that you in grace have called us and chosen us out of this world and revealed thyself to us. And we bless thee and we praise thee. O Lord Jehovah, there is no God like unto thee. Heavenly Father, we are vanity and less than nothing in thy sight. You take up the isles. You take up the North American continent with all of its blasphemy and luxurious appointments as nothing, as less than the dust of your scales. And we rejoice in knowing thee. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you have revealed yourself to us spiritually by regenerating us and giving us a new man that knows thee right well. And we thank thee for the word of God that in writing tells us about you and about us and our relationship and what you have in store for us. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for two noble examples of David and Paul who burned themselves out for your honor and glory. And we want to do the same. Heavenly Father, show each person here, young and old, how they might serve Thee better. And to think of things that pertain to Your kingdom, to Your glory, and to the honor of Jesus Christ and the benefit of our brothers and sisters. Have mercy upon us this day. Heavenly Father, be in the preaching of Thy Word. We are thankful for it. We will declare it clearly, and we will declare it truthfully. Help us to rightly divide every sentence and phrase for the glory of the truth that you've given us. Cause us, Heavenly Father, to humble ourselves before your words and to hear every one of them and to embrace those words and not to think ourselves above them or beyond their reach, but to know that they are sent to us individually this day, for thou art able to make that arrangement most easily. Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let there be nothing to stop up your ears or our ears. Let there be nothing to put scales over our eyes or hide us from thy gaze. Bless us, O Lord, in thy sight before thee this day to worship thee acceptably with reverence and godly fear. We pray the same for our brothers and sisters around the world. We ask, O Lord, that you would preserve our country, its government, and its rulers. We thank thee for them. Grant them wisdom and protection. Lead and guide them that we thy people might continue in the liberty that we have this morning. Heavenly Father, bless us with conviction by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us not leave this place today thinking that we have done something good by merely sitting in a pew. Let us not think that this church is just a weekly meeting for Bible teaching. Let us realize this is your ordained way for us to come together and to consider one another and to exhort and provoke one another to love and to good works. 
Let us leave this place renewed, recharged, and ready to serve Thee better than we have before. Oh Lord, our slothfulness is creeping in everywhere. Our hearts are cold, our minds are weak, our flesh is weak, but our spirits indeed are willing. By Your grace, we pray that You would stir them all up and bless us and lead us. We thank Thee for first loving us, and we do love Thee, and You do deserve service and a house here in Greenville of fame and glory throughout all nations and of a place of worship that is exceeding magnifical. We understand that we no longer have wrought stones, nor do we seek wood from the Zidonians. But Heavenly Father, we are living stones, and we pray that You would polish us this day and make us fit stones in the temple of our God. Have mercy upon us. We submit these assemblies to Thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for His glory forever. Amen. Amen.